You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. We are starting a brand new sermon series today that'll be four weeks. And that sermon series is called Emotionally healthy relationships. And um, just to make sure that there's clarity, just to make sure that we are all on the same page right from the jump, this is not a series about marriage. Um, This is not a series about dating. Uh, This is not a series about singleness. Uh, This is not a series about sex. Uh, This is a series that is about relationships. And here's the very good news about that. We all have relationships. In fact, just by a show of hands, how many of you have relationships? Yes, that's right. We all have relationships. It doesn't matter the stage of life. That's something that we all have in common. And how many of you, just by a show of hands, you would like those, um, those relationships to be emotionally healthy? How many of you would like to have healthy, good relationships? How many of you by show of hands would like to have emotionally jacked up relationships? Just anybody, anybody? Okay, just just you, pray for my man over there. Um, Hopefully you'll get something out of the next few weeks. And, uh, but listen, no matter the stage of life, like no matter the relationship status, that you find yourself at church today, whether, uh, whether you're married or whether you're, you're dating, maybe you're engaged, maybe you're single, maybe you're just scoping and hoping, you're trying to find the person today, you're hanging out, you're going to both services, uh, just <laughs> no matter what stage of life you're in, listen, this series is for you because we all have relationships. And I think deep down, there's a part of our soul that we all want emotionally healthy relationships. Um, But here's what you need to understand today before we really dive into this series. I really wanna just, at the very first part of this message, just lay a little bit of foundation for where we're going over the next few weeks because you have to understand that not only do you want emotionally healthy relationships, like there's there's a part of our soul that I think craves that. But not only do you want that, here's what you need to understand today right off the bat. God wants you to have emotionally healthy relationships. I I want you to let that sink in just for a moment. I want you to let that just sink deep into your heart today that God himself, he wants you to have emotionally healthy relationships. I know this because all throughout this book, God talks about relationships and, and he talks about how, um, like how he cares about our relationships. And there's, there's ways that he guides us and pastors us and shepherds us how to have better relationships. And here's something that I've discovered while reading through this book. And it's this principle that our relationships actually determine the quality and direction of our lives. And we need to understand that. We need to understand that this is why our relationships are such a big deal because they actually determine the quality and the direction of our lives. That's why Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, it says this, walk with the wise and become wise, but associate with fools and get in trouble. Like here's another way to put it, like show me your relationships and I'll show you your future. Like I'm telling you, 
our relationships are a big deal. And that's why it is so important that we carve out some time to see what God's word wants to tell us so that we can have emotionally healthy relationships. But here's really the big idea of this series. Right off the bat, you need to understand that emotional, emotionally healthy relationships are made up of emotionally healthy individuals. And that really is the big idea of this entire series is that, that all those relationships that we want to be emotionally healthy, they're made up of emotionally healthy individuals. So emotionally healthy marriages and families, they are made up of emotionally healthy individuals. Emotionally healthy dating relationships and engaged couples are made up of emotionally healthy individuals. Emotionally healthy friendships are made up of emotionally healthy individuals and emotionally healthy companies, emotionally healthy churches are made up of emotionally healthy individuals. Listen, you cannot separate your individual emotional health and the emotional health of your relationships. Like those two things, they go hand in hand. And before I really talk about any of the content that I wanna talk about, there is one thing that I wanna ask you to do over the next four weeks. In fact, more than asking you, I am putting on my pastor hat and I am straight up challenging you to do something over the next four weeks. And here's what I'm asking you to, here's the mentality that I'm asking all of us to have, no matter the relationship status that we have, no matter how healthy your relationships are or not, here's the mentality I'm asking you to have over the next four weeks, that emotionally healthy relationships, they start with me. That's what I'm asking you to be able to take that mentality into the next four conversations that we have over the next four Sundays, is to say emotionally healthy relationships start with me. And here's what that means. That means that you listen just for yourself, that you don't listen for someone else. I'm asking you to not point the finger at anybody else over the next four weeks. I'm asking you to not nudge a neighbor over the next four weeks. I'm asking you to not passive aggressively clear your throat at certain parts that you want your neighbor to pick up on. I'm asking you that over the next few weeks that you have this mentality that emotionally healthy relationships start with me because the truth is you cannot change someone else. You cannot. You can only change yourself. So here's the picture as I was praying like months and months and months ago as uh, we, we actually plan our, our series out like typically six months to a year out in advance. And when I was praying about this series specifically, here God actually gave me a picture. And the picture that God gave me is actually like a, a, a toolbox. And, and if you have a, a good toolbox, there's certain tools that need to be in every toolbox, right? Like, it's hard for me to do this. Okay, uh, it's, it's like everybody needs to have a hammer in a, in a, in a toolbox, right? Like, like you need to have that. Uh, everybody needs to have a screwdriver. I mean, that's just something that you need to have. Even if you don't have a toolbox, you need to have a drawer that at least has a screwdriver in it. And, and here's, the, here's really like the picture that God gave me when it came to this series, is that we all have like a relational toolbox. 
And so for the next four weeks, what I want to do is I want to talk about some relational tools that we need to all have in our relational toolbox so that we could have emotionally healthy relationships. That's really what we want to do over the next few weeks. And today, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, uh, really, this is going to be very practical. And so I encourage you to write things down uh, because I think when we write things down, it sticks. And that's a big dream that we have as a church is that our, our Sundays would always affect our Mondays. And so today I want to talk about this subject. I want to talk about the tool of awareness. I want to talk about the tool that we all need, that we all need this tool of awareness. And so how many of you, just by show of hands, you would say that awareness is a good thing? Like, like awareness, that it's a good thing. How many, how many of you would say that awareness is necessary? Like it's a necessary thing in life for you to have awareness. Well, according to a recent study, by the Harvard Business Review, they discovered that 95% of people think they're self-aware, 95%. But only 10 to 15% actually are. People, this is Harvard, okay? This isn't just some randos. I mean, this is smart people that are discovering that man, most people believe that they are aware, but in reality, a lot of people are not aware. And I'm telling you, awareness is one of the most important relational tools that we need in our relational toolbox to have emotionally healthy relationships because awareness doesn't just benefit you. Like awareness, it actually benefits others. In fact, because the more aware that you are, the healthier you are, and the healthier you are, the healthier your relationships will be. Therefore, the more aware that you are, the healthier your relationships will be. So for the rest of our time today, I want to challenge you. I'm feeling very challenging. I'm an eight on the Enneagram, so I like to challenge a little bit. And so I just feel very like, ah, I just want to challenge you a little bit. And so today I want to challenge you to really like grow in awareness in two specific areas, just two, just two specific areas that honestly, these two areas are not talked about in church very much. But I believe with all my heart as I prayed and asked God, God, what do you want to say to our church today? That there's two specific areas that I think, man, we need to grow in. And here's the first area that we, I want to challenge you to grow in. And that is your limitations, your limitations. Believe it or not, you have limitations. Regardless of what your mama told you growing up. Like you have limitations. I have limitations. We all have limitations and we need to be aware of those limitations. Um, for example, let me just share some limitations that we all have. Number one is that you only have 24 hours in a day. Like that is a limitation. The truth is time is the biggest limitation that we all share. 
because nobody has more than 24 hours a day. I'm at the point in my life where I'm telling you time is the most valuable commodity in my life because not money, time. I can make more money. I cannot make more time. And so like, like time and the fact that we only have 24 hours in a day, all of us, that is a very real limitation. Here's another one is that you will not live forever. Like whether, whether you are, like whether we live to be 20 years old or we live to be 90 years old, like there will be a time when life on this side of eternity is over. And in James chapter four, verse 14, it actually says like, what is your life? You wanna know what the years of your life are, the time that you're gonna spend on this side of eternity? You are a mist that just appears for a little while and then vanishes. Psalm chapter 39, verse four and five, David, he writes this, he just prays, Lord, and man, may we pray this today. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, the most, at best, each of us is but a breath. See, our lifespans, the time that we have on this side of eternity are a very real limitation. Here's another one, that you can only be one place at one time. That is a very real limitation that we all face. Like you cannot be two places at once. And here's what that means. You cannot do it all. We live in a world with tons of options and you cannot do it all. You just can't. If two things are happening at the same exact time, you got to choose one. And all my people that are conflict averse, you are, this is like making you uncomfortable because sometimes you got to choose. You, you can't do two things at once. You can't be, you can only be at one place at one time. Here's another big limitation. And man, this is so true. You do not know everything. You don't. God is the only one that is omniscient. He's the only one. You are not. And so you do not know everything. It doesn't matter how many books that we read. doesn't matter how many degrees that we earn. There's no way that you and I can know everything. Even the smartest people in the world, even the people that register and take the test and have the highest IQs, they don't know everything. And the Bible actually talks about this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 9, it says, Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy, like even when you have the supernatural help from God to be able to know some things, it reveals only part of the whole picture. So listen, you don't know everything. I don't either. You don't. Let me tell you one thing that you don't know. You don't know what other people are thinking. You always don't know other people. Let me help you with the relationships. You don't know somebody's motives. You don't know until you ask. And we'll talk about that later, okay? In the next week, probably next week. Um, and so you, do, you don't know everything. And then here, here's the last like, limitation that I think is important for us to get is that you only have so much capacity. And, and, and I think it's really important that we become aware of this. The fact that you only have so much capacity. You do not have unlimited emotional, 
mental, relational, and professional capacity. You only have so much to give. Let me give you a great example. Like I'm a high introvert, high introvert. Some of you have a very wrong definition, by the way, of what that means. Some of you think that that means that, you, that I don't like people. False. I really love people. I like spending time with people. But the, the question that extrovert and introvert answers is, where do you get your energy from? It's a very different than do you like people or do you not like people. Extroverts like people, introverts don't. No, that's not what it means. It means where do you get your energy from? So big, large crowds, like I love people, they just drain me. So later today, I'm going to be like a vegetable. I got a conference at the first part of this week. I'm telling you guys, I'm going to be, by Thursday, I'm going to be like a zombie because I'll be so exhausted because of that. But where I get my energy is either solo time, like just me by myself, or with like a very small group of people that I feel very comfortable with. So here's what that means. Like I have a relational, just think about a plate. Okay, we all have different size plates, capacity. My relational plate is pretty small. There's only, like, I have them. I just can't have a bunch on that, on that plate. Some of you have bigger relational plates than I do. Come on, extroverts, where you at? Come on. That's where you can cheer and be, uh, nah, 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 and be all your extrovert self. <laughs> okay? So, like, you only have so much capacity. So, in life, listen, you can't go nonstop. You cannot. In, in relationships, you can't be close. Friends with everyone. You cannot do it. <laughs> At work, you can't do everything. Like you can't, let me put it this way, you can't spin unlimited plates at work. Plus, get this, you're not good at everything. So like we, we, we have very limited, let me show you one great example of this in the Bible. Exodus chapter 18, starting in verse 13, it says the next day, uh, Moses, he took his seat. So Moses, man of God. Moses, he took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. And they waited before him morning until evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all this alone? while everyone stands around you from morning till evening. And Moses, but he thinks, man, I'm helping so many people. And then his father-in-law comes in just like a savage and says, this is not good, exclamation mark. He says, this is not good, Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. You're gonna wear yourself out and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. So get this, Moses, the legend. I mean, the great man of God. Like when we think about the like most famous Bible characters of all time, he probably is up in the top five, like Moses. Like th that Moses, he only had so much capacity, but get this, but he wasn't aware of it. He wasn't aware of his limited capacity. Like he needed someone to love him enough to help him see it. And we do too, church, we all have limitations. Every single one of us. And what if those limitations aren't things to ignore or fight, but rather they're things to accept, embrace, and become aware of? 
A pastor in New York by the name of Peter Cazero, he said, we will find God's will for our lives in our limitations. So today, I challenge you to become more aware of your limitations. And just practically, if you don't know any of your limitations, ask those people closest to you. I'm sure that they'll tell you. Okay, so I'm challenging you that to, to, to become more aware of your limitations. Here's the second thing that I am challenging you to become more aware of, and that is your neediness. Your neediness. Uh, why don't you look at your neighbor and say, I am needy. Just go ahead, just declare that, confess that. Just say, I am needy. Doesn't that feel good? Believe it or not, church, you are needy. Now, over the last uh, couple years, our church has like had a baby boom. I mean, I'm telling you, we have had so many babies um, in our church. Just, it's awesome. It's great. It's great. Just lots of babies. Uh, I think it's not co- coincidence that it came after COVID. Uh, it's like, hey, go be in your house nonstop. And then all of a sudden, a lot of babies popped up on the scene. And um, last week, I had the opportunity to... Um, to go hold a baby that was actually three days old. Shout out baby Sophia. And, um, and she was amazing, just this little teeny tiny infant baby. And I was just holding this baby. And, uh, and I just had this thought, you are so needy. <laughs> Come on, how many of you know that babies are needy? Like they literally cannot survive without help from other people. Listen, church, we never outgrow that. We never outgrow our neediness. Sure, it looks different. I hope, dear Jesus, that it looks very different. But whether you are six weeks old or 60 years old, you can't survive without help from other people. Yes, like I know that we're in church, so you're gonna hear somebody that stands up here that holds something like this, says, hey guys, you need God, and we do. But we gotta realize that we also need each other. Like we do, that's why Genesis chapter two, verse 18, it says, it is not good. This is God talking. It is not good for the man to be alone. And by the way, fun fact, this is the very first problem in the Bible. This is the very first time, read everything before that until this moment. Like everything God sees, he looks at it and says it's good. But this is the first time that God looks at something that he created and said, this is not good. This is not the way that it should be. See, the first problem in the Bible was not sin. The first problem of the Bible was being alone. That's because God designed us for relationships. Like we are literally hardwired by God for connection and for community and to to be in relationship with one another. Listen, you cannot win at this thing called life alone. You can't. And some of you think that you can. Some of you, you're here, you're hearing this and you wanna challenge me back and say, "I, I don't need nobody. And first, I would let you know that that is very bad grammar. That is a double negative. 
Second, I would tell you that that is a lie. Like that is not true. And third, if I can just say it like I feel it, that that is called pride. And the Bible is very clear that pride, it comes before a fall. And I'm telling you, you cannot win at this thing called life alone. You and I, we all need other people. And I think the older we get, sometimes it's so easy to feel like, man, I can just do this all on my own. But Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine through 12 says, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other person can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Now, the, my favorite example of this in the Bible is Exodus chapter 17, one chapter before what we just read when Moses' father-in-law says, this is not good. It's actually one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. It's a story that God has used to teach me this principle. Now, let me give you a little context before I read it because the people of God are traveling from Egypt to the promised land. And they're in this in-between state that is known as the wilderness. And while they are in the wilderness, they get attacked by an army that is known as the Amalekites. And here's what it says, starting in verse nine. It says, Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow, I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So the strategy that Moses says is that, hey, we're being attacked, so this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go up on that hill and I'm gonna raise my hands because God has given me supernatural vision that when I raise my hands, we're gonna win that battle. And listen to what it says. It says, so Joshua did what Moses had commanded and he fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses Aaron and her climbed to the top of a nearby hill. <clears throat> as long as Moses held up the staff in his hands, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. So when his hands were up, they were winning. But when he got tired and his hands dropped, they started to lose says Moses' arms, he soon became so tired that he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and her found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands so his hands held steady until sunset. And as a result, Joshua and that army fighting down on the battlefield overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. So again, Moses, legend, this great man of God. Do you see it? He wasn't strong enough to win alone. And neither are you. Just like he needed some people 
to hold his hands up and help him win, so do you and so do I. And that's why at our church, we have this conviction and you'll hear it a lot. You'll see it on signs. We have this conviction that we refuse to live life alone. Like we're just not gonna do it. We just refuse. And let me tell you when you have to refuse to live life alone, it's when everything inside of you says, I'm gonna live life alone. That's really when this conviction is real or not. It's like, no, and I'm asking you, if you are a part of our church, if you are planted in this house, if you say, this is my church, I'm asking you, I'm begging you, I'm challenging you to live this sentence out, that we refuse to live life alone. Here's why, because we see it in this text, because when we live life alone, guys, we lose. But when we refuse to live life alone, we win. And for some of you, if you are honest, you are living life all alone right now. Like nobody knows what's really going on in your life. Nobody really knows what's happening behind the scenes in private. Like you are living the majority of your life around other people wearing a mask where you may be smiling on the outside, but you are dying on the inside. And you, maybe you're trying to face something right now that is very difficult, or you're trying to deal with something all by yourself. Maybe you're holding on to a secret or you're struggling with a specific sin or an addiction, and you're convinced that if you can just keep that to yourself, and that if you can just try harder, that you'll eventually be able to get past that on your, like all on your own. And really what I hear every time I, I, I hear somebody talk like that and think like that, I think about this passage, this story in Exodus chapter 17, because really what you're saying is that, man, I can do it all by myself. And you're trying to hold your hands up all by yourselves. And listen, the biggest bodybuilder that does shoulders all day, like you cannot hold your hands up by yourself all the time. It will eventually fall. And I don't care how strong you are, like how tough you are, how independent that you are, you cannot win living life that way. It's a matter of time before your hands fall down. And I'm telling you, if you're the only one that knows your secrets, if you're the only one that knows what's happening in private behind the scenes, you're in trouble. You don't have to tell everybody. Dear God, please don't tell everybody. But you need to tell somebody. You need to tell somebody. And here's one of the greatest reasons why. This verse blows my mind every time that I hear it. James chapter five, verse 16. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That is a promise from the word of God. And here, here's what this literally says. Listen, like the truth is, read this book. We go to Jesus for forgiveness. That's what we do. We go to Jesus for forgiveness. But according to James chapter five, verse 16, we go to other people for healing. And I don't know why that God made things that way, but he did. That we go to him for the forgiveness of all those things. But then when we go to other people and we take something that's in the dark and we put it into the light, it actually, that's where we can find true healing. And by the way, that's why our groups are such a big deal at our church. 
because you, you get around a group of people where you can experience that. And we just uh, finished up our winter spring semester of groups. And let me just, it, it was amazing semester of groups. And let me just take a moment to honor our amazing group leaders, the people that, that, that led a, a bunch of different groups and created circles in their homes. And to do that, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because the, if you remember at the very start of the semester, we were at HQ and I said, hey, guess what you get to do over the next 10 to 12 weeks is that you get to literally hold up people's arms and help them win. And I thank you for following through on that commitment and being an amazing group of leaders. Can we clap our hands? Come on in honor. And that, so we just finished. And our, our, next, our next semester, we'll have a summer semester of groups that'll, that'll be starting in June. I, you'll hear more about that in, in the next few weeks, but I can't cur encourage you enough to be able to get in a group so that you can experience that. But it's even more than that, guys. Like, that, that's why serving on the dream team is such a big deal. Because it's not just serving with a group of people. It's finding some people who will hold your hands up when you can't hold them up any longer. And that's, that's, why, that's why coming to church in person is such a big deal. Because here's why, because you need that lobby as much as you need this auditorium. And that's why putting down roots and getting planted in church is such a big deal. And that's what Grow Track is all about today. And, and so I personally invite you, I will be teaching. So like, listen, don't put it off. Like some of you have been coming here for a while and it's time. It is time to do Grow Track. It's time to hear about the church that you call your home church. And some of you, maybe you're still kicking the tires and this is the way that you get to hear all about our church because it's all about, like Nat said, planting yourself in the house of God. Listen, our church would be so much better with you planted in it. But the truth is all those different things, there's this thread, this, this, this theme that goes throughout every single opportunity that I just shared. And it's the fact that we need each other. We need each other. And so today I challenge you to become more aware of your limitations and your neediness. Because for you and I to have emotionally healthy relationships, I'm telling you, if we grow in our awareness in those two areas, our relationships will become more emotionally healthy. Now, before we take some time to respond today, um, I really wanna show you just one more thing from this story in Genesis chapter 17. I told you, I love this story. And so I've studied it a lot. And I wanna show you one more thing that is so amazing in this story. Because you see this story and really the entire Bible cover to cover, it actually points to Jesus. And so today, when we were talking about Exodus chapter 17, we, we mainly focused on the two people who held up Moses' hands to help him succeed, that Aaron and her. But if you look closely at this story, you'll see that it mentions another person. Because this story actually mentions another person by the name of Joshua, who was actually fighting and leading the army down on the battlefield. And that name Joshua, in the original Hebrew language, it literally means, get this, God our salvation. 
and is pronounced, has the roots, the root word is pronounced Yeshua, which is the same Hebrew name for Jesus. And here's why that's so cool. Because just like Joshua was fighting for Moses, like Jesus right now is fighting for you. See, Jesus is the true and greater Joshua. Like Jesus's very name, Emmanuel, means that God is with us. Like his very name is screaming the fact that he is with you right now. That's why we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate the fact that Jesus is here, that he's with us, which means that right now he is in the trenches, like fighting for you. So no matter what situation that you are facing, you are not alone because Jesus himself is fighting for you. And get this church, he's not just fighting, he's winning. And not only that, he's not just barely winning. In fact, in Romans chapter eight, verse 37, it says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours. How through us trying, through us holding our hands up? No, it is through Christ who loved us. Church, that's some good news today, isn't it? If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at queencitypeople or visit queencitypeople.com.